Welcome to the Persuasion Pitch Podcast, where we discuss the dangers of multi-level marketing companies. We dig deep into cults and other scams. I'm your host, Jess, licensed esthetician, makeup artist, and anti-MLM advocate. Good morning, everyone. I am sitting here with the one, the only, Robert Fitzpatrick, author of Ponzinomics and so, so much, so many other things. He is um, brilliant, and I'm so excited to have him on as a guest today. So, good morning, Robert. How are you? Yes, good morning, Jessica. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, I've been reading Ponzinomics. Um, it's an amazing book. Um, I wanted to kind of start out with like your history with MLMs. What made you start to dig deep into them? Um, look into this business model, you know, the red flag that was like, this is a scam. Um, so this happened way back when, um, what year was it like 1980? 87, I'd say there around 87 is my first encounter. And Technically, my encounter was not with an MLM. It was with a, let's say, a close cousin. Okay. <laughs> uh, they're called gifting tables, mm-hmm. gifting schools. Right. Uh, they're, <clears throat> yeah, they're, I would call them, I, I think I did in my book, that in my first book, False Prophets, I called them kissing cousin to, <laughs> to MLM. They, right. they really run parallel play upon almost all the same kinds of values, allures, emotions, and and of course, financial, uh, the proposition is essentially the same, the endless chain, the unlimited, infinite, expanding chain foundation for the gifting scheme. Mm-hmm. Anyway, one of those erupted, seemingly, it came from nowhere where I was living at that time. Everybody I knew, almost, got involved. And of course, I was invited, uh, you know, in that way, by friends right. and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, you, when you go there, of course, everybody there looks like you, right? <laughs> so what's, what's to be suspicious of, right? right? If you have to be skeptical of, of them, then, well, well, where's your bearing? There's, there's nothing to trust then. So, um, and I explained this in, in, in that book because uh, uh, of course the gifting scheme is a classic pyramid scheme. Yeah. That's all it is. Right. And, it, and when you see it in the light of day, it's a, it's a simple one, two, four, eight scheme. Uh, eight people give their money to the one at the top it splits down the middle, the second level, each one now, there were two of them, each they become the top and each side now goes and gets eight each. So there's eight. Yeah, Yeah, that's how it works. (laughs) Right. Anybody would know that and know that that couldn't keep going because you'd run out of people real fast. Mm -hmm. But this scheme, like all pyramid schemes has a disguise. No, there's never in the history of the world has any pyramid scheme ever advertised itself as pyramid scheme. Come join our right, right. right. They're always disguised. This one was disguised with a kind of philosophical narrative that it was really a brilliant new 
philosophical, metaphysical way to end poverty, spread prosperity, create a kind of just and happier world. The American dream, financially free. And it was based on uh, not thinking in terms of scarcity or competition, but on sharing. And that was the idea of gifting. Mm -hmm. And the idea of legality, when somebody would bring up pyramid scheme, they'd say, well, nobody's paying. Mm-hmm. Any money you put in, you give, and any mm-hmm. money you receive has been gifted to you. So you, right. did, you don't get paid for recruiting. You don't pay for the chance to recruit. Therefore, I mean, imagine how thin a disguise that really is, but mm-hmm. people bought it. It created a mania, as MLMs do and pyramid schemes do, a kind of mass euphoria. People really began to believe that it could work. And it did work for those at the very beginning. So those the very at the top. <laughs> at the very beginning, we're showing this enormous amounts of money. They put in 1500, they get 12,000 back. Mm-hmm. And this is back in the late 80s when $12,000 was a lot more than it is today. Mm-hmm. And they could do that over and over again. So some of the people got as much as $100,000. Oh, wow. Wow. But, I always say that money is definitely the root of all evil. So So when it uh, collapsed and when it was prosecuted locally, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, I awakened. But I awakened with a jolt because it stunned me that I had not seen through it, that I had been part of this delusion. And, uh, and also it had converted, you know, everybody became prospects. All our friends suddenly became commercial relationships. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. really bothered me. How did we do that? I thought we were, you know, based on intimacy, friendship, shared experience. Suddenly we were all scamming each other. Right. <laughs> and so on. So it changed the nature of relationships. It created a mass delusion. Millions of dollars exchanged, uh, changed hands. I just had to know, what was this thing? Mm-hmm. Where did it come from? And to my dismay, I discovered that there wasn't much written about pyramid schemes. And so I really began digging into this and uh, in my spare time, this was like my, my project. And in the course of that, very quickly after that, multi-level marketing just burst onto the scene where I was living, again, in South Florida. This mm-hmm. was again, early 90s now. And it seemed like everybody I knew was either recruiting or being recruited. And by now, I could see clearly, same scheme, dressed up now, not as gifting, but as business, sales, so on. But I could see plainly from my own life and work experience, this couldn't possibly be sales. And nobody was really selling. So um, I included MLM into my research. So the more I learned, the more fascinating it became to me and the more amazing it was that something of this scale, this multi-level marketing, which even in the 90s was millions of people getting involved, virtually nothing in the press about it, nothing being studied about it at the university level. The Mm -hmm. government was treating it kind of -of matter-of-factly as if it didn't. And I could see the effect it was having socially, financially on thousands of people. Right. So that resulted in writing that book, False Prophets. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, after that, I was invited to be on as an expert witness in cases. The media began calling me. 
And so it, it began, you know, it developed into a kind of role right. of, of in, uh, being involved as a researcher and as advocate and, um, and an educator. Because, right. it, you know, I realized most people were like I had been, they didn't really know what it is. Right, right. Yeah. So I, I started researching. It was, it just kind of happened accidentally because I had broke my foot and I was laid up and I was like, I'm going to research what, because I'm a licensed esthetician and makeup artist. So I focus a lot on the skincare and um, makeup MLMs. I focus on all of them, but um, they've affected my industry negatively. So I started researching what products test on animals, which ones don't, and then I came across unique. And that's when, you know, the MLM, and that's when I went down the deepest rabbit hole and i'm still going down it that i never knew existed i didn't even know there was such a thing as anti-mlm i watched every youtube video i read every article there was nothing left for me to read i was searching every day for something new to come out because i mean i was laid up with nothing else to do so i was just reading constantly um, and then i found out that there's just this whole community of anti-mlm advocates and this was um, almost three years ago now, and now there's uh, so many people speaking out, you know, there's like a lot of content now, um, Instagram accounts, there's just so much. And when I became anti-MLM, I was kind of nervous because everyone knows a friend or family member that's been in the MLM or that is an MLM. So I was like, you know, it's, I couldn't imagine it being controversial, but it is. So, so like I went publicly about it and posted on my Facebook page, you know, about it. And I had people that unfriended me, people, you know, of course the hater naysayer pyramids are illegal, that all of that type of thing in which, um, when, like what I'm sure you had friends and family that were sucked into it whenever you started researching, right? Oh, absolutely. I've had exactly the same, the same experiences. I've had people that dismissed me. I've had friends that decided I had somehow gone, uh, astray. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had family members who listened to me, uh, trusted me, and then kind of quietly went off and joined. <laughs> that just shows. And that then, just shows how brainwashed they are. Yeah. And then when they, of course, they lost their money and they wasted time. And finally, when it kind of came back out that they had been involved, and I would say, well, you knew I've been working at this. And why, why didn't you come in? Well, you know, we were sort of advised not to talk to naysayers. And yeah. So I had become, even though they had known me my whole life, their whole lives, they had, uh, uh, classified me as a naysayer by these MLM people whom they didn't know. Right. The power, the power of an MLM, which is, as I said, when I was, you know, originally talking about this gifting scheme, what struck me was that this thing had come into this community. I was living in South Florida in the vicinity of Fort Lauderdale, Miami, in uh -huh. the metro area at the time. It was like a hurricane. I mean, I had never seen anything like this. It was like a religious movement or something. Yeah, it is. Come into it is. Community. And, and people changed and they were, their lives had changed. They were using new words and so on. And um, I thought, well, what in the world is going on here? Something powerful. Well, 
multi-level marketing is like the airplane game institutionalized. Now it's organized. It has money behind it. The airplane game was a kind of grassroots prairie fire. Mm -hmm. It was a pyramid scheme running around and it, it, it demonstrated how it could captivate huge numbers of people's imaginations and thinking and so on, shift thinking. But multi-level marketing has, has captured the model of the pyramid scheme, disguised it as a business. Mm -hmm. And of course, with that disguise and this money and the organization behind it, with the lawyers and the lobbyists, yeah. right? And the PR people, and, and even uh, the ability to insinuate itself into academia or into positions of government, then it has this incredible capacity to influence large numbers of people. And at a certain point, and that point was reached long ago, for many people, it's so big, it's so wide, it's so influential that when you step up and say, and it's all a scam, mm -hmm. they cannot believe it. In fact, you have now almost threatened their worldview. Because mm -hmm. if that's true, how could that be true? Because it was endorsed by these famous people. Right. Right. And I went to an event and there were thousands of people there cheering and they were so happy. Mm -hmm. And um, the government doesn't seem to be concerned about shutting it down. Right. It's so, so frustrating. So you sound like a crazy person, a conspiracy theory person, right? Calling it out. Mm -hmm. So, I think uh, what I've observed is that that scenario in which the truth tellers are regarded as the crazy people, and the big lie believers are treated as having reality on their side. <laughs> It's right? so messed up. It's so it's messed up. It's beginning to change. Mm -hmm. It's beginning to change now. Finally, enough I people so. are speaking out yeah. in mass that the idea, and it's showing up in the media too. Yeah. Time is being characterized routinely as big scam. Mm -hmm. Big scam. Right. A mass delusion. One of the big, you know, follies of. of of day-to-day -day life now that you may encounter, you know, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's quackery, it, it, it's it's witch doctor stuff, you know, it's economic voodoo and things like, people are saying things like this now routinely. And um, in the years that I've been involved, it is quite amazing to me to see the shift that has finally occurred, a, a, a turning point, and it's growing now can see that that the truth is emerging yeah i, I think and back to like john yeah and i think back to john taylor like um you know are we making him proud i hope so <laughs> i hope so too uh, john, um, john uh labored so so much at this and he uh, he actually went to the federal trade commission i remember this so vividly because they were finally having some comment period on their plan to the Federal Trade Commission starting around 2000, uh, actually in the late 90s, and then it percolated all the way up to 2012 or something to adopt a, a rule called a business opportunity rule. And this thing had been originally intended to cover MLM. 
-hmm. and it would require disclosures and a lot of other information mm -hmm. before you could make a solicitation. Mm -hmm. and, uh, of course, the MLM so-called industry lobbied and stopped and got MLM exempted. But John went to the hearing in Washington, D.C., and mm -hmm. he was treated quite shabbily. I mean, it, they, they regarded him, they marginalized him, and they made him sound like and, and be treated as a crackpot, right? A crackpot, yeah. because he had data. He was trying to say, how can you call it an income opportunity when over 99% a year never right. make a profit? How do you call it sales when most people never sell anything and it, or nobody, practically nobody sells a product profitably and these products are sold by this inducement in order to participate in a recruiting chain. Mm -hmm. How dare you make these kind? Oh no, you're you're a nutcase. You know you're <laughs> you're wrong. And so, yeah, I think John. And before John and me, there were others too, Jessica. That there are people who were within government who tried to do something about it. There mm -hmm. were people whose websites were shut down and they were sued into silence. There were some who whose life had been threatened and so on. For a long time, it was very difficult to speak out about this. Right. Um, but again, it's getting easier and you know more acceptable now, and the truth is gaining momentum. Yeah, I mean, it goes so deep, and I don't think people realize. Oh, I'm just selling a mascara. You know, it can't possibly be anything wrong with that. But it's so much more than that. It goes so deep, like deep, deep. You know, it's like woven into our economic system, right? Like MLMs are. Well, that's why I, I had to invent a word, right? For right. to describe it. And um, because it isn't just business by any means, it isn't mm -hmm. even real business. Mm -hmm. um, it isn't just a belief either, uh, you know, or a kind of ideology or something. It's like you said, it's a mixture of all these things. And so um, I made up the word Ponzi-nomics. Yeah. Uh, I've discovered a lot of people actually don't know who Ponzi was. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I did a video on Charles Ponzi. That's where it originated from. I did discover that, that after I used the term, some people actually don't know who he is. Oh, wow. Although the word, the word is thrown around a lot, Ponzi, Ponzi scheme. Yeah. So Ponzi was a real person, actually. Right. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he ran a scheme in the 1920s mm -hmm. and, and in the 19, uh, it was in 1920 in Boston area. And it was a classic, uh, what we now call Ponzi scheme. Ponzi. He, the reason it got to be called Ponzi scheme is because he called his, his scheme the Ponzi plan after <laughs> his name. And the Ponzi plan promised a, a big interest or return on your investment. You give yeah. him your money and then he would pay you back monthly or quarterly uh, an enormous interest rate mm -hmm. and of course he, he he claimed he had a way for this to work but all he was really doing was taking the money from the later investors and giving it to the earlier ones so it appeared that he had some magical way to make money mm -hmm. but every time he did that he needed more investors the more he paid the more he needed yeah. it collapsed fairly soon the government went after him he was sent to prison Later, he was deported. His name became legendary, Ponzi scheme. So that's the idea, uh, a fraud dressed up to look like an investment scheme or a business. 
Well, that's the first part of it. Mm -hmm. And nomics is, of course, taken from economics. Mm -hmm. That scheme, dressed up as MLM uh, today, is passed off as economics, pseudo economics. But they will tell you this is a workable plan. You say, well, how could it work if I recruit five and they, and the way I get them in is I tell them each of them can recruit five. So off they go and they recruit five and they get 25. You could only do that 13 so more cycle, right? Right. And there's you, only so many people on earth. So many people <laughs> on earth is actually a tiny, tiny subset of people who would join your scheme, who are interested, who have you know, so it, you don't have to wait till it goes to the population of the earth. It, yeah, that's it, true. <laughs> it's a real, real, an actual saturation point very quick. Mm -hmm. And what happens is I recruit my friends and I tell them how great this is. Mm -hmm. And they go out to recruit their friends. But the problem is their friends in, overlap. Yeah, yeah. Or each other. Uh -huh. So pretty soon you find out that I can get a couple, but getting a large number of my friends into this who haven't already been and in family doesn't yeah. work. So right. that's why you don't have to hit the population, you know, of the mm -hmm. or of your state or your country for this to hit saturation, social saturation occurs very fast and people realize, oh, wow, it looked good on paper, mm -hmm. but doing this is really not feasible right and so very few you know one in a few thousand are actually able to make money they usually are people that got in early they maybe opened a new territory or a new scheme mm -hmm. or they are there are a few rare relentless people who have no worries about the consequences to others you know and who are very talented enrollers mm -hmm. who might be able to do that but however anybody that would succeed can only do it through deception all right yeah i talked to a girl who was reaching out to like 300 people a day on social media that is and you're not even getting paid hourly like 300 people a day like just adding people as friends on facebook cold messaging people like you know it's i don't know it's mind-blowing and you know like you're gonna probably try to recruit your family first you know and then like your friends and you know it's just it's just an endless cycle and they say oh you didn't work hard enough that's why you didn't make it look the ones at the top are making money off the ones who are losing it and it's just so unethical and that brings me to um another point is you know a lot of these companies are based in utah and mormons um have started these companies and with my research on it, they people are like, oh, they're Christian, they're Mormon, they they're trusting. So, you know, they can't be running this, you know, a scam. <laughs> so they use that, um, which is disgusting because they're using I've seen a lot of people use the Bible and uh, religion and anything that they can to recruit. It's just mind blowing to me that there's not like a red flag that goes off to them, um, off to them or like a light bulb, like, hey, this isn't right. This isn't ethical. I'm a Christian. You know, this isn't what I stand for. So I, I don't know. It's just mind blowing. 
Well, it's it's this it's it's very um, like you said deep. It's embedded and uses the, some of the most sacred symbols mm -hmm. of our culture. And the, the first one, of course, uh, is patriotism. If you go to MLM meetings, often you'll see American flags everywhere. Mm -hmm. You'll talk about it being this is a bedrock American business, and we are you know so they dress themselves in patriotic. Uh, you know, fervor. The second one that they uh, use is money itself. They promote the idea that if you make money, you're a better person, you're a good person. And if you haven't made money, there's kind of something wrong with you. You're a loser. You're, you're a, a flawed person, a person of low ambition or low character. You don't want to be that, do you? So they you know, they play upon this value system in which human worth is equated with financial worth. Mm -hmm. And this is a theme in America, and many people feel that, you know, so they, they stir that up. Then they often, as you mentioned, wear the cross or some other religious symbol. So they dress themselves as pious people. So, mm -hmm. you know, we've already got patriotism, profit, piety, and then the last one is positive thinking. That how do you succeed in MLM? Well, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe, you have to have confidence, you have to think, you have to have vision and positive. Well, that sounds good. Who, who could argue about that as a, as a good force in life? And so now you've got, this thing sounds almost uh, perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, it represents our country. It's the best of the economy. It's religious uh, value based. And it's based on positive, uplifting, you know, uh, character building and so on. So it makes it very hard for a person to say, I think this is a fraud, actually. Right. Did you, somebody immediately said, well, aren't you for America? Are you, are you against success and profit? Are you? Uh, are you a negative thinker? Uh, maybe you're a loser type, right? All of those things, you kind of run the risk of being falling into that mm -hmm. if you dare question it, right? You know? So this is something that has really insinuated itself into the, the, the very fabric of American culture. And, and, and that's why it's able to grab so many people and captivate their imaginations and capture their souls, at least for a time, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that's why it's also very hard for someone to just point it out straight out and said, no, this is a, a, an, an unconscionable scam that they have profanely used these symbols, you know, they have grotesquely deformed these values. Okay, mm -hmm. it's like, how could that be? You know, how could that be? But experience, reality, <laughs> are the main uh, tools for telling the truth here. Direct experience, direct observation, what you see, you know, believe your own eyes. Mm -hmm. When you see people distorting relationships, losing money, you know, mm -hmm. whose families are turned upside down. I've been, over these years, through Pyramid Scheme Alert, I've had so many instances given, you know, told to me, people coming to me, telling me 
of divorces. Oh yeah, for sure. The spouse has become an MLM adherent and the other spouse is asking, well, give me some evidence that, the, oh, you're, you're a naysayer. You're holding me back. Yeah. To the MLM meeting and they say, well, my spouse really is not support. Oh, really? Maybe you should get rid of that spouse. <laughs> that holding you back all these years. It's wild. Yeah. yeah. I've seen in my own family. We've had experiences, not, not in my immediate family, but not very far removed. Um, we've seen father and son get separated. And so... Um, friendships ruined so that's one thing you can trust you if you see that going on that that should be a red flag mm -hmm. the data on losses is indisputable john taylor's data right right and john's data i you know this gets a little into the weeds as incredible as it may seem when he said over 99 percent each year mm -hmm. don't make a profit but actually, the situation is far worse than that. Oh, oh yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Way worse. You can't really frame it just in a year's time. You have to look at an MLM over multiple years. Mm -hmm. It's a long con. So they're recruiting and churning and recruiting and churning. People are coming and going. And if you stop back and said to any one of these schemes, give me the numbers of all the people who joined since you created this scheme, the beginning point when it was launched to today, how many people came and went, came and went in total? Now, out of that total number, what number of them made a net profit? Right. And how many of them are still involved today? Right, right. You looked at it over a longer period. You, It, it would be mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. God, this thing has been a financial trap that thousands and thousands of people, maybe millions, fell into and are gone now and are right. voiceless. And the scheme is still up there claiming it's the greatest income opportunity. In the and world. because they didn't work hard enough. So that's why they're gone. <laughs> blaming, blaming all of them, blaming all of them and so on. And that's, that's pretty amazing. You know? Yeah, and, it is. And that's why I have called it the big lie. A big lie is a lie so colossal that the average person would not believe that anyone would have the audacity to make that up if it weren't true, mm -hmm. right? It's so big, you can't really imagine someone who would tell a lie that big. Well, getting on a stage and saying, I have the greatest income opportunity in the world and anybody can do it. And anybody that would fail is just because they don't want it. You know, right. In a scheme in which virtually nobody ever makes a profit when you look at the totality of it that is a that is seemingly almost unimaginable mm -hmm. could that really be going on you know could something this uneconomic be claiming that it's the highest form of business right it, it seems impossible that's the that's the threshold i mean that's the barrier to that the truth has to break through mm -hmm. but it's happening yeah. And, you know, the, the DSA, the direct selling association, I've seen people say, oh, we're backed by the DSA, but the DSA is no, like <laughs> it's a lobbyist organization. Right. So I don't know why they are holding them to such a high pedestal. Well, I guess they're just indoctrinated to hold them to such a high pedestal. Um, <laughs> the DSA crazy. Itself 
is part of this big deception, you know. Mm -hmm. It portrays itself as some kind of a neutral, uh, legitimized trade association with that gathers objective data that, you know, presents to the world uh, hard evidence of the industry. These are all trappings of legitimacy. But if you just poke around with the DSA a little bit, you discover it. it is just as you said, it's actually a PR organization yeah. whose main task is to maintain and advance the delusions of an endless chain scheme being a real business mm -hmm. to cover up the loss rates that are occurring to dismiss or marginalize or silence the stories, the tragic stories that are all over the world. All right including suicides from uh, oh my gosh that's the, and then their other role is to go to washington and direct this narrative with <laughs> millions of lobbying dollars into politicians coffers exactly exactly and i think that is why mlms are legal and it's you know and i'm i get frustrated with the federal trade commission uh, I report to them all of the time, but they've had so many opportunities to shut down like Herbalife, Amway, like they've had so many opportunities and they know, they know it's a, it's a pyramid scheme. And that goes to the corruption of it. You know, you know, these companies will donate to political campaigns and I never talk about politics, but this has something to do with multi-level marketing. So it's a must that it's, that it's spoken about with this. Um, you know, so it, it's all, it's all, it's covered up. Like, will they really ever do something? I don't, I don't know. You know, if, if money talks, money doesn't just talk, money screams. If they have the money, <laughs> you know, then it's going to, this is always going to continue. And like, if MLMs were to stop today, um, you know, they couldn't right so like what is your your thoughts on that like so they're woven into our economic system um well, e economically you know mlm in terms of the large economy mm -hmm. the american economy or the global economy and the economy of every one of us individually if if the phone company went bankrupt, we'd all be in trouble. If the cell phone company collapsed or had a major technology, we'd all be in trouble. Mm -hmm. If MLM collapsed tomorrow, nobody'd notice, right? right? Truthfully, nobody'd notice. No, nobody needs uh, this, the skin creams. They're all online anyway. They're in stores, the same stuff. They're overpriced and overpriced. low quality. So they're not delivering any vital service or product right. to the world, right? So they don't provide income to any but this little small cadre of, of recruiting crowd who would probably find some other scheme to get into. Mm -hmm. So it isn't really a, a significant economic, but politically, as you said, they have a big voice and they've been working at this I recounted this in, in my book in Ponzinomics, a history that a lot of people do not realize that everybody goes back to when Amway supposedly gained a, a ruling from a federal court 
that it was legal and legitimate. But if you go back to that court ruling, you discover, wait, wait, that's not actually what really happened here. It was not a federal court. It was an administrative law judge. And what really happened is the FTC could have ignored that ruling if it, it had to. Administrative law judge rulings are not final, not binding. They don't reflect any larger, they, they don't become precedent necessarily. But the FTC, which is a political organization, adopted that. And this had a lot to do with the political influence of the MLM already, even at that time, of the Amway organization. The president at that time was Gerald Ford, who had just taken over from Richard Nixon, who had resigned in disgrace from Watergate. Mm -hmm. Gerald Ford was the congressman in the very district where Amway was based. And they actually, and this was all reported in major news media at the time, they actually were able to go in for 45 minutes and talk directly, the two founders of Amway, with the president of the United States in the Oval Office about their case. Oh my God, yeah. so what happened afterwards? The FTC suddenly gives the green light to Amway. The, the two founders were, uh, one was the finance chairman of the National Republican Party, and the other one was the chairman of the board of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Right. They had, they had a lot of, so now not only does Amway get off the hook, get a get out of jail card, but Ronald Reagan is elected. They were instrumental in getting him elected. And within two years, even less of his election, He's at an Amway rally speaking and endorsing it. So <laughs> it was a political fix mm -hmm. from the beginning. The fix has been become entrenched in our political system. Right. And it is today quite bipartisan. So it is political, Absolutely. But it's not partisan. It's not I agree 100%. I try to preach that all of the time, all the time. Yeah. So to bring it up doesn't mean, you know, you're for this candidate or that candidate or this party or that. Exactly. I think also speaking about the politics of it, this is another one of these nasty realities that a lot of people really don't want to look at because it's when you say, look, people in government actually know this is a scam. The data is there for them to see too. Mm -hmm. The complaints have come in the door. They're not stupid people. They do right. know about this. Uh -huh. But they have been politically influenced with money uh, to ignore it, to right. turn a eye. And you say, really, that's, that's how it works? You mean these public servants, the, these regulators, these law enforcement people are allowing this scourge of, of fraud and, and, uh, and loss? to occur and pretend it's not occurring. Why would they do that? You're saying because of political influence buying and you say, yes, just that, nothing right. more to it than that. And that's very hard for people because that means you have to kind of see the world a bit differently. Yeah, and evaluate like who, like what you believe in or who you like you're for. Like looking at Herbalife, <sighs> I really didn't want to touch on this, but I will. Like Herbalife, um, you know, there's someone in office that was supposed to testify against Herbalife, right? And they were paid off as well. 
Well, the, the biggest story to me about the herbal life, you know, was first of all, there was tremendous pressure on the FTC to, uh, you know, the facts were coming out as the result of a Wall Street hedge fund right. shorting the stock. And so, but he had a platform and he was putting out all this information about how of all the losses that he, they did a research on, on these Herbalife nutrition centers to show how they were just recruiting operations. And, and they showed how they were exploiting the Latino community. Right. But, uh, people who had very little money, who had, you know, were struggling to survive, mm -hmm. were throwing what little bit of money they had into this scam and losing. Right. Absolutely. So that was a lot of pressure on the FTC. So the FTC finally did, you know, take it on and announced they would investigate it. But in the end, as we know, they chose not to prosecute Herbalife yeah. as a pyramid scheme. They gave them a relatively minor fine. And then they, they've now locked down and kept secret all the uh, so-called monitoring of the compliance of the order. Right. But organized, orchestrated all of that the negotiations for that settlement, the person who did it was the immediate past chairman of the FTC, who had left his job and gone straight to work for Herbalife. I mean, yeah. that's hard to swallow, honestly. It is, but it's the truth. It's, but it's, 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 it's the truth. Record, uh, there's no disputing it, and they don't dispute it. Um, it was, they bragged about it, that, oh my, you know, we have the former chairman of the FTC working for us, Herbalife. <laughs> yeah. So that uh, it, it is the political aspect, and I spend in my book a, a good bit of time documenting the history of MLM's special political power base that it has built up uh, for an industry that many people can't even don't even know how it works or anything. But in Washington. This is very well known. Mm -hmm. and we called it a pyramid lobby. It's a pyramid. We, you know, we know about the pharmaceutical lobby. We know about the military lobby. We know about the oil industry lobby. Mm -hmm. But there's a pyramid lobby too. Right. And right. that's that's the MLM. DSA is on K Street with Washington. That's where all the lobbying organizations are based. And mostly, that's where they have their offices. So. Right. Yeah. And, you know, these Herbalife um, shops, I did a YouTube video a long time ago on Herbalife. And I even like mentioned how they prey upon the Latino community. You know, of course, I watched Betting on Zero and people are like, why do you have to bring that up? That, because that's who they preyed upon. I mean, you know, they wanted, hey, you're in America now. Don't you want to have the American dream? And now today, like there are so many more nutrition shops I mean, they're on every single corner. So if it's not about, if it's really a truly about the product and not about the recruiting, why would you want your competition being across the street from you? Why would you want to recruit someone to sell the product that you're selling if it's, that's supposed to be your competition? So that just proves even more so that it is it has nothing to do with the product, absolutely nothing to do with the product. That's the that's the kind of evidence. Like I say, it's common sense evidence. See it with your own eyes. Mm -hmm. There it is, and and yet we are sort of told or asked, don't believe your own eyes. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're telling you it's not about recruiting; it's about sales. And you say, well, give me some evidence of sales. Mm -hmm. 
during our conference, the MLM conference. Yeah, I watched, I watched that. Somebody had raised the question to some of the regulators there. Well, can you just name me one MLM that you as a regulator would declare legitimate, good, beneficial, that you could say for people, this is good company, go ahead and enroll. If you have a family member, it would be advisable for that family member. You notice not one company was ever. Right. They won't do it. And they are they, all the same. Yeah, essentially they know that, that they're all the same. So mm -hmm. the, the FTC will, will frequent as other regulator bodies and in, in other parts of the world too, will say uh, MLM is legitimate. And you say, okay, which ones? And they fall silent at that point. They won't actually say which ones they're talking about, but they will always kind of endorse it. But mm -hmm. this is a question um, that I had to deal with the pyramids in the work so long. The constant question, which MLM is a pyramid scheme? Which one? And I had this question constantly, uh, or they'd say to me, um, Again, this is sort of before um, so many now podcasts like yours and the others that are out there today, the, the, the uh, Reddit subgroup, anti-MLM. Yeah, the Reddit was here way before yeah. YouTube and all that. Yeah, so there was Reddit, now there's YouTube and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, now the conference, that's the first conference. Yeah, it's amazing too. Yeah, but before that, it really was not much. And Pyramid Scheme Alert was one of the early studies mm -hmm. that we go to. So they would look on our site and they would say, I didn't see anything about this particular MLM. Does that mean that one is okay? And so I realized, you know, eventually I realized um, I, I had to stop. I, I, I couldn't focus on particular MLMs. Um, because right. it, it literally distracted people from the central reality. They're like, oh, that one's bad, but, you know, I'm not in that one, so I'm okay. Yeah. But, no. It's even worse because some MLMs actually play upon this. They'll say, uh, we're not Amway, you know. Right. You know, we're, we're not selling, you know, new skin where you have to buy product or something. They'll come up with some, they disparage the other MLMs. Yeah. And, and there's several MLMs that actually argue we're not MLM at all. We're oh, not. I know. I've seen people say, well, that's not an MLM. I'm like, yes, it literally is an MLM. It literally is an MLM. You can Google whatever company MLM. It, it, it is an MLM. You know, yeah. and if, if especially if it's like listed on the Direct Selling Association site. I mean, you can't just tell me it's not a multi-level marketing company whenever yeah. I know for a so fact it is. When I, when John Taylor and I realized this, you know, early on that, oh my God, they're all exactly the same. There are no distinctions here and it's worthless to focus on one and, and so on. I, I won't say it's worthless. Sometimes uh, a podcaster, for example, who is focusing on one can use that one, uh, that one scheme to illuminate a larger picture. You know, there's a lot of lessons to be gained. And a lot of people also will pay attention because they may have been in that one. Mm -hmm. But unless unless that next step is taken, it can become as as uh, it can mislead you into thinking, oh, and that's why so often the pattern is 
people go from one to the next to the next. Right. Normally they do. I've seen a lot of people not join just one. They've joined like two, three. I mean, most people three. I've seen three or more. Um, it's like a pattern with them and like just because for example i i would do a podcast episode on i don't know rodan fields or beach body just because like i don't have whatever mlm you're with in the title that doesn't mean they're not it's not the same it's still bad it's still an mlm and you should still not get into it all mlms are the same so something john taylor and i eventually did and, and John was really uh, the leader on this uh, approach. What he did is, uh, and, and it, this isn't the full picture, but it, it was very helpful to me and many others, I think, <clears throat> to say uh, to the question, is this MLM a pyramid scheme or what's the difference between MLM and a pyramid scheme? That's the mm-hmm. question I was frequently asked. So I would finally, and I recounted this in my book, I would ask the person, well, okay, we both kind of know what a pyramid scheme is. That's easy, you know, unsustainable, endless chain, money transfer, and so on. Mm-hmm. And you've asked me to make a distinction between that and MLM. So first of all, let me ask you to tell me what MLM is. Right. Then, then we'll contrast them. And of course, people discover they don't actually know what MLM is. <laughs> Okay. Right. So, right. so we finally said, okay, well, let's look at MLM and break it down into its simplest components. And we'll call these components universal and defining characteristics. So, you know, you want to say, what's MLM? Well, just look to see if these are the defining characters that have these four characteristics. And we came up with just four. Four really constitute and define MLM. The first one is the one that really makes MLM unique. It's the endless chain proposition. The you recruit people who recruit people who recruit people who recruit people, it never ends. Mm-hmm. There's no limit. Right. There's no mar- defined market size. Mm-hmm. This is the only business on earth that claims there is no limit to its market. So competitors don't matter. Population sizes don't matter. They never change the price. The market never diminishes, no matter how many people get in it, it's unlimited. That in itself is the first. The second characteristic is you always have to pay. Mm -hmm. When you show up for an MLM, you want to get in, pay. Right. So so you pay and then you keep paying. Mm -hmm. So you're always putting money in, your entry fee, your purchases, your purchase quota. You're always paying, paying, paying. So pay to play. Right. So endless chain is number one, pay to play, number two. How do you make money in this? There's a proposition here to you, right? There's a solicitation, there's a financial proposition, a value proposition, as they say. What is it? You have to recruit. Right. Right. Don't make money if you don't recruit. Yeah. So no recruit, no money. So there's a recruiting mandate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have to duplicate yourself. You can't just go sell product. You've got to enroll somebody else in being just like you. Or you won't make anything. You will not make anything. Like like Josie, not the good girl. She she said it so well. I love her. Um, she said, you know, just 
you know, just selling the product, that's child's play. You know, the real money, like if you're going to make any money, you're going to have to recruit. And that's so true. And, and, that, and that's full stop. So, and I've had people say, well, I know somebody that sold something or I sold something. Yes, you can, nobody, like she said, child's play. You can go get your, your brother, your sister, your next door neighbor to buy something from you, but to keep selling, no, you're not going to make money. Right. You have to recruit. So recruiting is, is, is required. And finally, the last thing, and this is the, uh, the one that most people don't see. The others are kind of obvious, but the fourth one they don't see. When you look at, uh, if you get into MLM and you say, well, how do I make my, well, you recruit and you go up these levels. And they, well, explain this a little more to me. I, I, that's the pay plan, right? How does it work exactly? What's my commission? Well, then they give you this chart. Oh my God. Complicated. You can't figure that chart out. Right. Here you have to have this number in your downline. Then you get to, then there's a bonus on here, but you have to have a certain number of people who have to have a certain number <laughs> it's of people. A mess. And then if they should not meet their quota, you fall back down to this level. And you go, oh my God, how do I figure that out? Well, right. you, you cannot believe right. it. It's designed so you. It's designed so you can't figure it out. Just like the small, tiny little print that no one reads. Yes, it's like <laughs> that. It's even worse, though, because even if you took the magnifying glass, you'd still not figure it out. Right. So what is that, though? But, you know, I've been in court cases. I've had to go look at this thing. And John and I did, too. Mm -hmm. And what you discover is it's really just a little formula. It's like an algorithm. Mm -hmm. And the formula is, is, is just the bit. It means this that more money on each transaction, I enroll you just now, you put a hundred bucks in. Mm -hmm. Out of that hundred that you paid, about 40 of it is gonna be transferred to the to me oh. and the upline. Right. Right. I'm not gonna get much of it. Even though I made the transaction, I found you, I recruited you, persuaded you, I'm gonna get very little of that 40. Mm -hmm. Most of the 40 is gonna go up to the top. That's Absolutely. what that convoluted, crazy looking pay plan. If you could strip it down to the basics, that's all it is. It's a giant transfer. They call them bonuses, commission, profit sharing. Oh, and this one, right. but it all is siphoning that money straight up to the top. To the top. So that if you didn't even understand the pay plan and mm -hmm. said, well, just how does it all work out at the end? look at their disclosures do a little work on the disclosures we look at hundreds of them and it all comes out to the same over half of all that 40 bucks goes straight to the top yeah one. in some cases as much as 70 and 80 percent of the total wild goes to these people far far away you'll never meet them right from you so it's impossible <clears throat> For you even to make money recruiting unless you move up the chain, but right. only a tiny number can ever be up there. So right. elegantly designed, elegantly designed first so you can't even understand it. Mm -hmm. You're about to be royally flim flammed. Mm -hmm. So they can't exactly show you in black and white how they're going to do it to you. Mm -hmm. So they designed it so you can't even see what's happening. But if you could, you would see that what they're doing is they're transferring money from every new recruit to this little group at the top. Right. Day after day after day. 
and all that money winds up at the very top. So we called the last thing extreme money transfer. So you have, and that's the opposite, by the way, <clears throat> of a real sales company. A real sales company, I find you, I market to you, I persuade you, and I sell the product to you. Mm -hmm. And there's a set number of dollars in that transaction that'll be commissioned. Mm -hmm. If I made the sale, I'm gonna get most of that commission. That's yeah. the, the world works in mm -hmm. sales. Right. Maybe I have a manager who guided me, managed me. He or she may get a little of that money, but I'm always gonna get the most. Way, way at the top of the sales company, maybe, they'll get a tiny little percent of that transaction. Mm -hmm. MLM turns it on its head, flips it upside down, so that the person's doing the transacting down there at the bottom of the pyramid get mm -hmm. virtually nothing, and the people at the top get almost everything. So endless chain, pay to play, mm -hmm. recruiting mandate, extreme mm -hmm. money transfer. That mm -hmm. defines an MLM. I don't care which MLM you look at, hundreds and hundreds of them, they all have exactly those characteristics. So <clears throat> doesn't matter whether they sell lipstick or life insurance, you know, or vitamin pills. Um, or water. They have a water MLM. Water, it's wild. Coffee, chocolate. <laughs> you know, yeah. Whatever, <clears throat> whatever it might be. Anything. It yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Leggings, you know, uh, it just Anything. doesn't matter. They're right. always exactly the same way. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people say, well, you know, it's not a pyramid scheme because we have a product. That's BS. There have been MLMs that have been shut down for being pyramid schemes or that have had lawsuits for being illegal pyramid schemes when they did have a product. So I hate it so much when they say we have a product, so it's not a pyramid scheme. That is completely false. Now the, actually, the product is an integral part of the pyramid scheme. All right. Pyramid schemes are disguised. Mm -hmm. Ever, ever going to see a pyramid scheme with a big sign saying, join the pyramid scheme. Right. The pyramid scheme. No, they always have a disguise. In an MLM, one of the elements of the disguise is a product. Mm -hmm. The product is used to launder the money transfer that's mm -hmm. occurred. And mm -hmm. so these products are in, uh, and, and the other thing I noticed about products, MLM products, millions of people join an MLM and buy the product because, you know, you have to buy. To try to sell it. To, to, to try to sell it, or you have a quota that mm -hmm. you have to meet every quarter or month rather. To stay active. To stay yeah. qualified as active, so one eligible for the commissions and so on. All right. So, uh, but do you notice that most people after they quit, they don't keep buying the product. <laughs> they probably have an inventory of it that's going to expire soon in their garage yeah. or in their bathroom. Yeah. So it, it, uh, these products are not based on demand. Right. If it was such a great product, you would keep buying it, right? <laughs> if it were a great product, it, once it, all these people being churned would keep buying and these companies would, would but if you look, you'll always see their revenue is exactly proportionate to the number of recruits they have. Mm -hmm. Recruits yep. are always the, the, the foundation of their revenue. The right. Recruits are the customers. There yeah. Any yeah, you are your, like, you are the customer. Like, the rep is the customer. 
and these products are marked up so high in the the quality of they don't even care what they put in the products this is just a product you know and they're marked up so high because they have to pay these cuts to five percent goes to this person it's just an example you know three percent so there's so many products that are better quality for a lot less and you do not have to join a pyramid scheme in order to get them or to even sell them right. <laughs> you know so, you know most of what we've talked about here is about sort of debunking the the pseudo economic business mm -hmm. uh, model claims and and, and bogus uh, rhetoric around it about mlm being a business right if you go a little further, as you've said, deeper, you see that MLM is not just about flim flamming you with products or some kind of a sneaky fine print contract or something. Mm -hmm. it, is a, it is a belief system. It has become an actual belief system. Right. It, is, it is promoted and people are recruited into this belief system. In my definition of Ponzi-nomics, I called it a delusional belief system. It is not based on reality. It is based on a delusion right. that the endless chain can work, that people can make money. And even more so, it is presented as a pathway to happiness and fulfillment. Prosperity. Yeah. Prosperity. And the people in MLM are presented as your community. Mm -hmm. and the leaders are presented as your role model. Right, right. And then you adopt their language and you adopt their worldview. And in that worldview, you know, you do things like uh, you don't associate with people who question MLM. Right. And you view everybody as a prospect. And yep. so the whole world is now transformed into economic terms. Yeah. And the government who might try to regulate this or is regarded as alien and, and terrible and, and dictatorial and so on. So there is a worldview, there's a structure, there's leaders, there's a community, there's an ideology or a belief system, there's a special language you speak. And this mm -hmm. is the very essence of a cult. It is, yeah. And that's why I'm saying I'm not even in a joking manner when I say, oh, you're in a cult. I am not joking. You are in a full on cult. Just like you said at the um, at the conference, um, a commercial cult, right? It's a commercial cult. So there are various kinds of cults and we know of religious cults. We, we know of, you know, philosophical cults. There's even political cults. Political cults. Absolutely, there are political cults. But what is a commercial cult? And a lot of people don't understand that there could be. First of all, business itself is very, uh, if it were a real business, it couldn't be a cult because business is manageable and measurable. Mm -hmm. Business is not religion. Business does not talk about infinity and happiness. It talks about profit, hours, right competitors this is it shouldn't change your behavior yeah like, you shouldn't cut people off like you don't cut people off that don't believe like yeah yeah that's right and and business is also is defined you have business and then you have the rest of your life you mm -hmm. don't come to a company and they say now 
you know, uh, when you go home, you can't watch this movie and you can't speak to that. <laughs> you say, wait a minute, yep. it's none of your business. Right. And you must talk about this all the time, yeah. constantly. So, yeah. So a lot of people have a hard time grasping that a commercial, but it, which is just a way of saying MLM is not business, really. It's, it's something disguised as business, mm -hmm. but it, it traffics in the language of business. It mm -hmm. traffics in, in, in profit and so on. It has products. So it looks like a business. The, the other mm -hmm. thing about cults that most people, uh, two other things about cults that I'll say quickly, that cause people to, they don't grasp that it's a cult. One is most cults are perceived to be relatively small. You know, they're, they're not everywhere. You do run into, you know, we've seen you know, the Moonies or right. seen Scientology, but these mm -hmm. are still relatively small organizations. <laughs> but MLM is huge. Huge, massive. So a lot of people think just on its face, it couldn't be a cult because it's so big. Um, but because it has, because it's an economic cult, mm -hmm. it used the values that are almost universal. Right. So you don't have to be a Muslim or a Jew or a, or a Christian. Yeah, it doesn't have to be religious to be a cult. You don't have to have so. a certain language or anything. Mm -hmm. it, it uses the language of capitalism, which is right. all the globe. So right. I called it the cult of capitalism. and. Because it's a capitalistic cult, um, it's using terms and language that most of us accept anyway. Right? You yeah. Know, I don't have to convince you about flying saucers or you know things in your brain or which other cults may try to tell you about. I'm going to talk to you about values and things that you already accept because you live in a world in which we all immersed in capitalistic values and language and processes and so on. So mm -hmm. it's a it's a cult that has embedded itself in the mainstream of our of our lives. Mm -hmm. It uses people don't dress funny. They don't have to you know put on a silly hat or wear a special tennis shoe or wear a special mm -hmm. t shirt or right. anything like that. Right to be in this <laughs> cult. Yeah. So they're not identifiable by a costume or you know they're using language that we normally do use. We talk about business and profit and loss. It's mm -hmm. everywhere. So for these reasons, a lot of people can't grasp that this could be a cult. And a cult sounds like an exotic, negative thing. But then if you go to a meeting and get involved. Of oh, yeah. I went to a Prime America one and it was a full on cult gathering. I left. Yeah. It was out. There was someone at the, at the front of the room preaching about financial freedom. There was music blaring and everybody was like, oh, and I was like, this is a full on cult. And a cult just as. MLM can be broken down, <clears throat> cult can also be defined mm -hmm. with characteristics. And I think you and others have talked about these in your podcast, this, you know, that there are four or five main characteristics of what a cult does, where it mm -hmm. dominates your time, takes on a position of moral authority, adopts a, a kind of mystical language behind it and talks about that it has special secrets that nobody else has. It disconnects you from your normal community, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And it tries to change your identity of who you are as a person. These are all identifiable. And so for a person, I think you're now crossing this line where people are going to hear this more and more. MLM is a cult. And that's going to lead people to say, what do you mean by cult? And now finally, what a cult is how dangerous they are, that they are a mechanism of 
domination, of control of people, mm -hmm. control of their minds, taking away their free will, mm -hmm. getting them and uh, suspending their critical judgments, disconnecting them from reality. Right. If you can do that to somebody, there are methods for doing that. Mm -hmm. You've done, and MLM uses those methods. If you do right. that, you can gain almost complete control over somebody. Right. That's why we now refer often to MLM people as bots. Yeah. Hun bots. Mm -hmm. Robotically. Hey, hun. They're acting robotically <clears throat> because somebody else has control. Yeah, they're copy and pasting and they're like taking out and putting your name in it. And, and if, you know, you are losing money, just like the majority do why wouldn't you leave then you know that brings it back to it's because of like the bite model it's because it's because it's a cult that's why you like the feeling of being wanted your girls you know your your group of people and that's that's what it is yeah so that's something that's not beyond understanding you know you said the bite model that simplifies it and i think the more cultism is demystified identified uh, as a mechanism of gaining extreme control over people but it is a very dangerous uh, and it is used by dictatorships <clears throat> right it's used by uh, religious fanatics and so on and it is used in the case of running pyramid schemes too right absolutely really what's what it is so <clears throat> I've defined it, and I've been, you know, used the label cultic racket, <clears throat> or pyramid cult, commercial cult. All of these are terms that define what MLM is. And I know for many people, it's hard to, to accept something as dangerous, harmful, and deceptive as what I'm describing as something so commonplace and uh, ubiquitous here in our lives today and something that the government has turned a blind eye to and so on. <clears throat> but I used in my book the, the example that smoking cigarettes <clears throat> was like that before. <clears throat> Everybody could smoke cigarettes. Everybody did smoke cigarettes. Doctors endorsed smoking cigarettes. Right. It was sexy. It was called fun. It was never called addictive. It was never called killing or lethal. Mm -hmm. Cancer, lung cancer, and so on were never mentioned until mm -hmm. gradually the truth came out. Right. And as it came out, the cigarette industry did everything in its power to prevent it. Mm -hmm. It credited researchers and professors, right? They punished news media by withdrawing their advertising. Uh, they lobbied with millions of dollars, Congress, to let them continue. But gradually, the truth came out more and more. Right. And then we got the labeling and the restrictions and the knowledge of it. The warning on the label. The so thing. I think MLM is, is uh, going to move. Similar yeah, way. that's a great way to put it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping I am hoping that in my lifetime, which I, I feel like it will, I, I just maybe it's because I've wrapped myself uh, like I'm I surround myself with the like minded people that are anti MLM. Maybe it's because I'm in tons of anti MLM Facebook groups and because I read it all the time. But I do feel like it is changing and there's more awareness 
you know, coming out and more content coming out, I do feel like it it will change. Well, you're helping to make it change. You're helping to make it change, though, immensely. <laughs> well, thank you. Having been involved over so many years, I can tell you that your podcast and others like yours are, to me, a kind of uh, almost miracle that, you know, because for so mm -hmm. long, there were there was nothing like this and right so, um, uh, and and uh you know you're articulate and and others it's 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 remarkable and so and you're informed you've taken time to become informed mm -hmm. and, and that's so crucial so it's happening it right. is definitely happening. I'm, also, I'm also teaching my 11 year old son all about multi-level marketing in fact he was um before covid and before he left school, he's in the gifted program. He was doing an um, he was doing a project on the dangers of multi-level marketing companies, and he was ten years old at the time. So I feel like I'm letting our future generation know to bring awareness too. I'm being contacted by law students now who are doing papers on this and tell me they want to get into law uh, practice uh, that will deal with MLM. It's amazing. Um, journalists people that are in schools of journalism are also saying they want to focus on this they want to write about it they want to investigate it and psychologists have yeah psychologists contacted me a whole new area that i think came up in the conference that somebody could go to a psychologist today and say i was in mlm for four years um i lost money but now i i feel depressed um, I, I, I don't know what, what is happening to me and, and I, you know, I'm guilty. I feel guilty and so on. And the psychologist wouldn't know what you're talking about. A lot of them, they'd say, well, um, what has that got to do with your MF? You said, well, I think it was because I was in an MLM. They think, well, that's a legal company. That can't be it. So, right. But now I do see there are, and I think you, you've interviewed, I know one of your guests was a person who, uh, I believe you did, who, uh, is sort of developing a whole practice. Yeah, Haley. Yeah. yeah. Yes, Haley O'Brien. So, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that, that's a very positive sign. Yes, and I, um, but it will have to be even more. There'll have to be seminars on this, and from a psychological standpoint, mm -hmm. you can't do it one at a time. You can't. Right. You can't make it like a private practice only, with you know one person coming in paying a fee by the hour or something. That won't reach enough people. So that's happening. So journalism, the law and psychology, I mean, this is what's gonna, this, this will break the spell that MLM has sort of held over yeah. society for some, some years now. Right. And I just wanna encourage everyone to go out and get Pontinomics on Amazon or wherever, I guess it's, I ordered it off Amazon and every other book that that robert has written it's everything and um he has a website it's a pyramid scheme alert.com and i'm going to leave everything That's linked yeah. no, yeah. no, 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 okay and dot org my bad yeah i'm going to leave it linked below though in the show notes so everybody can find it so thank you so much for your time today i really appreciate it more than you know sitting down with you and talking to such a legend within the anti-mlm community well, thank you for, for having me on, too, and uh, exploring all these subjects. It was uh, very interesting and enjoyable. So. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. <laughs> 
thank you so much for listening, everyone. I truly do appreciate it. And I feel really honored to have had Robert on as a guest on this podcast. I hope everyone has a great rest of the week.